Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Such amazing love that God has projected His love for us. And now we can stand in His presence with boldness and with courage, believing that if not for the grace of God, we'll not be here tonight. And so we thank the Lord for all the blessings that has bestowed upon us and um, has been with us this whole weekend. And we are now in the, I would say, the round three of our weekend bout. Amen. So uh, we hope that the Lord will continue to speak to us tonight. And uh, we'd like to invite the presence of the Lord again in a word of prayer. Can we all bow our heads, please? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we have seen how you worked in our life, not only in this day or in the past few days, but for many years, Lord, that we have been serving you. We are here not because of our doing, Lord. We are not here because we have done something great in our life, Lord, but because of your grace and because of your mercy that you are, that uh, you have brought us here together with the other saints, with a desire to worship you, with a desire to serve you with all our hearts. And tonight, Father God, we want to once again ask for your anointing. As you have anointed us in the many services, Lord, that you have done in this church, O oh God. You continue to speak to our hearts, make you continue to lead us in a direction, Lord, that we will be, we will be able, Lord, to have a mind, Lord, that will be pleasing to you, Lord, a heart that will be pleasing to you. And all our actions will be directed, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be sensitive by the leading of the Holy Spirit, Father God. Help us, Lord, to stand in the position that you have called us to be. Lord, as we stand in our uh, respective post of duty, we believe, Father God, Lord, that you will equip each one of us as we fight and face the battle of life, Lord. We also believe, Lord, that it's not us, but it is you who will fight for us. And therefore, Lord, we are guaranteed victory at the end of every battle. And so we thank you, Father God. May you just continuously move in our hearts this evening, Lord. And again, as we end this service, Lord, we will ask that all the glory and the honor be yours, Father God. All these things we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. So just before we sit, I would like to read a, uh, a few verses in the Old Testament where we'll, we get our subject for today. And it'll, it'll be in a Second Samuel chapter 23. Second Samuel chapter 23. Brother Bertom was uh, talking about mighty men, the, the mighty men of, uh, of David. He has many mighty men around him, but these three are the particular three mighty men of David. Amen. And we want to talk about this because there are some characteristics that we should have as the bride of Christ. Amen. So Second Samuel 23, verse 11. Uh, we'll start on verse 8. It says here, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Takmonite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. The same was Adino, the Esnite, as the first. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. So it was not fighting one at a time, but he slew these 800 at one time. Okay? And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men of, uh, with David, when they defiled, defied the, the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his son clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. In verse 11, it says here, And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the, uh, from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it. And slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. It's always said that the Lord was the one who gives the victory. Amen. It is we who, if, who fights, but it is the Lord who gives the victory. So this evening, I would like to uh, speak on a little subject that I gave a title, Stand Your Ground. Okay, we now be seated. May uh, 
The Lord speak to us tonight, amen, in this uh, subject. Stand your ground. I have, uh, I want to leave to you this message as a, as a sort of something that uh, will uh, add uh, encouragement to us as we face the battle of life. And you know, this phrase, stand your ground, this is actually a military order, which means to maintain your position. The Bible says if we abide in Him and He abides in us, we can ask what we will. So abiding, maintaining, and remaining are all the same thing. We were called and we were given our specific position in the body of Christ. And Brother Branham always speaks about if you are a mother, be the best mother. If you are a father, be the best father. If you are the cleaner of the church, be the best cleaner. It's, it really doesn't matter what type of position that you have as long as we give our best. Okay? And here, the subject today is standing your ground because we want to encourage everyone, to exhort everyone that we should maintain our assigned position. It's easy to maintain a position if there's no problem. It's easy to maintain something if there's no, uh, if you're not facing any danger or any threat. There's no vulnerability. There's no weaknesses. And so you can, you can, you can say that I, I, I'm maintaining my position, but once problem sets in, there's a danger coming. There's an imminent threat. Sometimes we shriek off from our position. Sometimes we, we say, oh, maybe this, I was not called for these things. But if there are blessings and everything, you can say, oh, I was called for these things. And many times in my own personal life, in my ministry, when, when problems set in, I always ask my question, was I really called to be a minister? Because sometimes it, it, these are challenges that you face, uh, maybe at a time that, uh, you know, you, 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 you are not prepared. See, but, but, but this is an instruction Lord, uh, that the Lord has given us that we should maintain our position. We should stand our ground. Now, again, we'll, I'd like to give some examples that uh, uh, you can, we can type and really understand it. Sometimes it's better to give some uh, illustrations that uh, we, with, uh, will uh, give us a more um, grasp of what uh, we want to talk about. Now, in the next slide, you will see here a picture of an old Japanese soldier. His name is Second Lieutenant Hiro Onoda. He, is, he was a, a soldier in World War II. You can read it in history. He's, a, he's part of the uh, Imperial Japanese Army Intelligence. He was an intelligence officer who fought way back in World War II and was a Japanese holdout. That means he was posted in a position and he maintained his position, but he did not surrender after the war is over. Of course, the war was over uh, in 1945, so particularly in August 1945. But he did not surrender. After the war ended, Onoda spent 29 years, imagine, 29 years, holding out in the Philippines, okay, until his former commander traveled from Japan to, to, to inform, informally relieve him from duty in 1970. Let me give you a little background of this story, and you'll be amazed of what happened. Sometime in December, December 26, 1944, he was sent as a, as a part of his assignment. He was uh, uh, 20. He was very young. He was 22 years old. He enlisted in the Japanese Imperial Army when he was 17, and then uh, at 22, in the in, in the middle of World War II, he was he was sent and uh, assigned to Lubang Island. Lubang Island is somewhere in the middle of the many islands of the Philippines, and it was a strategic position because American soldiers can go there and refuel to, you know, to continue the war with the Japanese in the Philippine Islands. He was ordered to do all that he could do to hamper enemy attacks on that small island. Okay? Now, including destroying the airstrip and the pier at the harbor so the Americans cannot enter. So, that was his assignment. And his assignment from his commanding officer was to stand his ground at all costs. Okay? And Anoda's orders also stated that under no circumstances that he was to surrender... He will not surrender, okay? He should not surrender, neither should he kill himself. You know, Japanese soldiers in World War II, they have two swords, the, one, the long one and the short one. The long one, they use it to fight the enemy. The short one, they use it, if they're captured by the enemy, they would rather use it to kill themselves. It was uh, it's like uh, uh, the, the Japanese pilot, they call them kamikaze, you know, the suicide pilots. They, they would rather die by their own hands 
rather you know than being killed by or, or rather than surrendering to the enemy so but his orders was very very specific do not surrender do not kill yourself and hold your ground stand your ground at all cost and so the war was over and he was left with three other japanese soldiers and you know during that time there's no cell phones the radios was not uh, as accurate as the radios today so during the liberation leaflets were thrown over the plane and the helicopters to to tell the people in the mountains all the guerrilla warriors uh, the filipino uh, war, uh, soldiers that are in the mountains that stating that the war is already over so these are leaflets uh, so, and, and if you are lucky you can get one and say oh the war is over and this uh, this soldier lieutenant onoda together with three soldiers they 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 got these leaflets but you know they 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 checked it and they said maybe this is just a campaign maybe this is just a strategy for us to surrender they they were so they believe he said we will only go down the mountains if our commanding officer will come here to relieve us in our post of duty and he said to the three soldiers remember our orders we should stand our ground no matter what so they did not stand their ground for the next 24 hours they stand they stood in their ground for the next 29 years like imagine he was 22 years old he spent the next 30 almost 30 years of his life in that mountain fighting for a war that was already over why because of one order of a commanding officer and that order was to stand your ground amen so here he 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 was of course, there were so many struggles in, in, the, in, that, in, the, in, in that period of time of 29 years. And eventually, one of his soldiers died, another soldier died, and the last soldier also died. He was left alone. He was left alone. Okay? This was already in sometime in the 1960s. People are, uh, were already enjoying the peace time, but he was still wearing his... Uh, having his uh, garand rifle and uh, thinking that he's still following the orders of his commanding officer. He didn't even know if his commanding officer was still alive or not. But but he was so faithful with that order. Okay, and, and, and his faithfulness led him to be to be vigilant. That whenever time every time he sees some fishermen or farmers, he would shoot at them, believing that they this might be spies or enemies. Because his order was very simple: protect. You know. This, take that hold out, protect that area. Okay, so th- th- just put this into mind because we'll go into scriptures later on. Now, he did not surrender. Then sometime in the 1970s, at least I think, I believe it was in 1972, there was a, a, uh, a young Japanese uh, explorer, uh, and his name was uh, uh, no- Norio Suzuki. He was young, but he was a, uh, an explorer, and he had three goals in life. The first goal, he wanted to look for Onoda. The second was to find the wild panda bear. And the third was to look for the abominable snowman in the Himalayas. I don't know if you found the two, but definitely you found the first. Okay? You know, people have silly goals in life. You know? But you see, he, when he heard about there's a, a Japanese soldier still in the mountains in the Philippines, he went to the Philippines in 1972. He found this man, uh, of course, with, uh, he's now in tattered uniform and everything. Then we, when he, he found that man, uh, uh, Lieutenant Onoda, he, he, he introduced himself. And because he was Japanese and this is a Japanese soldier, they talked to each other and he was able to convince him that the war was over. And so here you know the looking maybe at his calendar said it's already 1972. See? Or maybe he doesn't know even that this was already 1972. But, but when, when this uh, young Japanese explorer told him, let's come, let's go home. And he said, no, I will not leave my post of duty until my, my uh, officer, my commanding officer will go here personally to relieve me from my post of duty. What faithfulness. To his post of duty. Can you imagine? He doesn't even know his, if his commanding officer was still alive. And so, because of what this uh, uh, young explorer felt about this this uh, aging soldier, he, he took the picture, went back to Japan, and tried to look if this his commanding officer will, was still alive. Because Onoda will not take 
any orders from anybody except that commanding officer. And so, fortunately, he found the commanding officer of uh, Onoda. His name is Major Yoshimi Tanaguchi, who is now working in a simple bookstore. See, his soldier is still fighting, and he's there selling books. See? See? But it's not about the major, it's about this young soldier, who is now aging soldier, because the faithfulness that was in his heart. He received one order and he stayed in that order for the next 29 years. Now, if this soldier, not filled with the Holy Spirit, getting orders from another man, can be faithful enough to stand in his post of duty and stand his ground, how much more that we are the bride of Christ, heard an order from the Lord that we should abide in Him. Amen. And the Lord did not say, abide in me for the next 29 years. Abide in me until He comes. That we should remain in Christ. And this, this is that kind of faithfulness that this soldier had. And so, it came to pass that this major, because he felt for his soldier. He, well, he trained that soldier, he assigned that soldier. So, informally, he went to the Philippines. Sometime in uh, uh, 19, uh, uh, I think it was uh, two years or three years later, when he heard about it, and when he went there, he gave the order. He said, Onada, I'm relieving you from your post. Yeah. <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you think, oh, thank you, sir? <laughs> no. He will not be thankful. <laughs> you should have told me earlier. <laughs> he lost his youthful years already. See? But now, so now here is Onoda. The, the young soldier before is now here. He still looks like Japanese. Okay. With his sword and he surrendered to the Philippine Armed Forces. Okay? But this was 29 years after the ending of the war. What would you do for 29 years? Okay? And then after that, he went, he was called, he made a courtesy call with the then president of the Philippines during that time. And finally, he, he surrendered properly. Of course, he killed many Filipinos during the war. But because of what happened to him, his fate, that, you know, that he was left in the mountains for 29 years, the president gave him pardon. Okay? It was a waste of life. He was fighting for nothing. He was fighting for a war that was already over 29 years ago. But, but you can note the faithfulness of this kind of soldier. And we are soldiers of Christ. If this soldier of Japanese Imperial Army can have this kind of faith, how much more us? Amen. Now, of course, the story did end there. In, in sometime in 1996, he revisited the islands where he stayed. I, I couldn't even think about revisiting an island that you hold for a while. But in 1996, he, he visited. Now he's old during the time he was 74 years old. You know, so, of course, he's not in his uniform anymore. And he gave some uh, amount of donation, financial donation, to the government of that island. No, not, not Maybe not to pay off for the crimes that he has committed, but as a gesture of uh, friendship to them because the war is finally over. Yeah. For him. For him. Okay? And now, now he, he actually died five years ago, last January 16, 2014. But I've been reading some of the things he wrote, and he said, uh, there's so many things that he wrote, but he, there's a particular thing that he wrote. He said, once you're given an order to remain in your post of duty, remain there. Remain in that post of duty until your commanding officer goes back to you. And he is a perfect example of an obedient soldier. An obedient soldier. Just, just, I mean, this just, these are just men's ideology. See, he was fighting some, a war that he didn't even start. Right? But he remained faithful. I don't know if he'll have a reward in heaven, but that's definitely, we can always look at him, you know, that, uh, he can, how a man can be faithful as such a certain uh, instruction that uh, uh, was given to him. Now, this is, he's a Japanese, it's nothing, uh, it's not even written of course in the Bible, but the Bible spoke of three mighty men of David. This Adino, Eleazar, and Shammah. Now, I, I, I point this out because, now you, you have to look at this, the assignments of these three mighty men. They were given a post of duty. 
Adino the Esnite, he lifted up his spear against 800 Philistines and slew them at one time in the passageway. In other words, he was posted somewhere in the gate. He was the perimeter security. If you are the perimeter security, you are just rank and file. You are not an officer. You are not even uh, somebody because you are just there. You are just, you, you, when it rains, you get wet. When it's hot, uh, when, when, when it's sunny, it's very hot, it's very warm there. But it, that passageway, it's just, it's a, an assignment that's not glamorous at all. It's like uh, you will say, okay, you, you'll be assigned at the back door. The back door of the White House, for example, in, in the U.S., it, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay? It's an assignment that nobody will take. Okay? Or maybe they will say, you'll be assigned in the tip of the mountain there. You see? There's, there's no glamour in it. But that was his assignment. But he was faithful in that assignment. And he slew the enemy. He, he, he stood his ground. Eleazar, the son of Dodo, he defended a barely field. Uh, which is sword stock, you know, because Philistines are stealing the crops every year. Now, this is another post of duty. He was, he was assigned in, you know, in the vegetation. No, if you're a general, you'll not be assigned in the vegetation. You'll be in the Pentagon or you'll be in, in some, some, some place that's air conditioned in the war room you, where you make decisions. If you're a great general, they will not assign you to where you, you milk the cow. You know, or get some berries, some some vegetables. And here's another guy, Shama, the son of A.G. He stood in the ground full of lentils to defend the lentils. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine you're a well-decorated soldier and then you will be assigned to guard the lentils? Yeah. <laughs> you say, okay, that's your post of duty for the next 29 years until you retire. There's nothing, nothing in it. Right. No. You see? It's better to be a, 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 a security in the border from Canada to U.S. than guard a ground full of lentils. See, at least in, in the border you can talk to people. You cannot talk to lentils, right? <laughs> you can stay there for 24 hours every day and, you know, just look and look at the lentils, you know, hoping that there will be enemies who will get the lentils, so at least you can fight, right? <laughs> so it will not be a boring state, you see? And, and... When I was in, in, in security, what we call the 11 general orders. And in, the, in that 11 general orders, we have to memorize it. And one of it is, one of the orders was to relieve my post, to, to, to leave my post only when properly relieved. In other words, you will not leave your post. And these three mighty men of David, no, nobody's relieving them from their, from their post. They stayed in their post all the time. Because that was the order, the order of David. That, that, that's the reason why they were called the mighty men. See? Because they can guard the lentils, they can guard the barley, and the passageway. You are like a, a, a doorman. Yeah? And, and just, you know, like, like for example, if you're a soldier and said, okay, you, you always clean the latrine. That, that will be your duty for the next 30 years of your life. You were trained to fight, but you were given brooms and mops instead of a gun. So there's nothing glamorous in this assignment, but they became faithful in this post of duty. Okay. Now these are the characteristics of these three mighty men. These three mighty men did not run or retreat when the odds were against them. When enemies come, they defend the less glamorous position that they have. Maybe I, 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 I could imagine Shammai said, Oh, here, here comes the Philistines. I have to guard my lentils. See? It was, it was not a, again, again, it was not a big assignment, but he, he was, he did not retreat when the enemy comes. These three mighty men did not quit or surrendered when it seemed like it was the only logical thing to do. They could have said to David, okay, we, we want to leave it. We, 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 there's nothing in it. Okay? I, I, I'm, I, I see lentils every day. I eat lentils every day. I defend the lentils every day. I want to go home. But no, he, he, that was the logical thing to do, but he, they did not quit, they did not surrender, and these three mighty men did not refuse to defend the seemingly insignificant parcel of ground which might be beneath their abilities and dignity. Sometimes when you assign somebody in a particular position, they will say, no, I'm overqualified. That is beneath 
my ability that's beneath my, my, my dignity. See? But they were humble enough to receive this humble assignment. And they, were, they became faithful. In each case, God gave the victory after He saw the determination of this man to stand their ground. So why, we are, why, why are we talking about these three mighty men? Because these three mighty men are an example, they are examples that God gives you something, an assignment, whatever it is. We should stand our ground. No matter how big or small it is, we will not look, oh, they are doing greater things that I am doing. You know, when we go to heaven, it will not matter where you were assigned. We will, we will be measured. We will be measured according to what the Lord has assigned to us. See? It's like the, the parable of the talents. You know, if you are given ten talents, he was given two talents, you, this, the other guy was given five talents, they will not ask. You, uh, I, uh, God, the Lord will not ask us more than He has entrusted to us. And so, seeing this characteristic of the, these three mighty men, they could stand their ground. In the midst of all the adversities in their life, they can be humble enough to accept this kind of assignment. And so we see, maybe I believe that they were they, they experienced testing in their life, trials in their life. No, but but they they are here. They are standing firm in the word of God. Amen. And this is what the prophet said in the message God's preparation, which was preached in 1954. He said, "So your trials sometimes is jewels. Do you realize that?" It said. That is more precious than gold. We, we, we hear, hear this all over and over again. Your faith when it has been tried. When you go through temptation. He said just hold your ground. Stand on your ground. See. When temptation comes. Stay, stay right there where you where you at. Till God says it. Don't shake at every wind. If the Lord said go. Then go. If the Lord says stay. Stay. It's not. You know, you can, you can get the, the Hebrew name for stay or the Aramaic uh, translation or the Greek translation, but it, all, it also means the same thing. Stay. Stay means stay. See? Even if you're a little out of the way, if you really in your heart be sincere and st- he said, stand firm. Okay? Stand firm in what you believe. Okay? Another quote here he says here, and it's so strange to see that when people take a stand for God, Okay? It looks like that the devil throws everything in their way that he can throw in their way, but God makes a way through that way. Okay? So when you decide, okay, from this day on, I will, I will, I will stand for God. Then watch everything, all the devils in hell will be targeted at you. And it is not, it is not something that we will, that we should shriek upon and when, you know, uh, retreat and everything. You know, when Gideon was called, in, you can read this in Judges chapters, let, let me read this in Judges chapter 6. It says here, uh, in verse 11 of chapter 6, and there came an angel and sat under an oak which was in opera, um, that his son, that pertained unto Joash and Abizarite, and, his, uh, and, and pressed to hide it from uh, the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, here is the angel of the Lord addressing Gideon as a mighty man of valor, and Gideon doesn't even know that he is a courageous man. See? He said, and Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us unto the hands of the Midianites. If you listen closely to what Gideon was saying, he doesn't seem to be a mighty man of valor. He, he seemed to be a mighty man of complaining. He wants to complain and to complain and complain. Right? There's no, I, I can sense no courage. But the angel knows that he is a man of courage. See? Because he knows what's inside a man. You know, there's something in us that sometimes we do not see in ourselves. So the Lord will, as I told this morning, will put you in a certain condition, a certain situation, that it, it, will, be, it will be brought out by this condition. You will know, uh, later on Gideon would know that he was one of the judges. He was, he was given an assignment. He was successful in that assignment. See? And even the time when he was going to battle, he took so thousands and thousands of people, and the Lord said, you have too many men. Right? 
And so we know the story, we, they have to, to, to decrease and decrease until it becomes 300. Why did God did that? So, man will not depend on this, their skills. Right? So Gideon was here with his 300 and didn't even leave a sword. You know how they defeated the Midianites. See? Now, what, what, when, when, when Gideon was just following the instructions clearly from the Lord, he had success, he had victory. All he has to do is to stand on his ground. All he has to do is to follow the assignment that the Lord has given him. And this is the thing that we have to do in our life. We get instructions every Sunday, we get instructions every Wednesday, and we go out of this church, all we have to do is to follow instructions. Maintain the position. It's not always, uh, our position is not always uh, giving us the, the, the right, the, I mean, we do not always, we are not always, uh, I would say, happy in our position. There will be challenges, there will be struggles. But again, that's our order. That's our order. I cannot, I cannot choose, Lord, I want to do some ministry here. Or I want to do some ministry. God will, will bring you to the place He wants you to bring. Okay? He will not bring you to a place, okay, I, I went to Canada, I think it's better to pastor here than in the Philippines. I will not do that. Okay? But of course, many does that. Right? Yeah? I, I, I have seen people, you know, they, they look for, for ministry, ministerial assignment in a, in a good place. But but that's not the thing that we need to we need to do to get the mind of God and ask the Lord Lord what is it for me what God gave to you what God gave to the other ministers it may not be assigned to me but whatever the Lord has given me I want to be faithful in that assignment I want to stand my ground no matter what and sometimes when you stand your ground it takes time you you have to have patience in everything you don't you, you don't you don't quit immediately See, there was a poem we used to, 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 to memorize when we were in training, and the title was, Don't Quit. See, when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are, are, when funds are low and debts are high, when you want to quit, but you have to smile, rest if you must, but don't you quit. We keep on reciting that, reciting that while doing push-ups, running and everything. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. But at the end of the day, I'd like to quit. See? But, 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 I, I was memorizing it, reciting it, but I didn't, I cannot understand the words anymore because of, you're tired. But later on, you will realize, you know, that God has given you something, spiritually speaking, that we will not quit in this battle of life. See? So we memorize these things, we think, now we have the scriptures to, to, for us to follow, to, to, to live, to, to put it in our hearts, because we will need it at a time, at a time, that there will be challenges in our life. See, when God, these are promises of God, and, and in the message, unchangeable God working in an expectable way, said, when God makes a promise and opposition rise, that's the only test whether you've really got the word or not. He said, don't give up and go back into the world. That's only a testing time. If it's only a testing time, we can read in Ecclesiastes 3 that there's a time for everything. There's a time to start, there's a time to stop. So if it is a period of time, it will come to pass. If you read your Bible, you can always read, and it came to pass. In other words, it will be over soon. It, it, you can never read a phrase in the Bible, and it came to stay. It always comes to pass. Okay? In other words, if you're in trial, it will come to pass one day. It's a testing time. It's only a period of time. Okay? Now, in speaking of opposition, when we speak of opposition, it always comes to my mind, the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. And we know that book of Ezra, it was the rebuilding of the temple. Nehemiah was the building of the walls. And walls, uh, these are, this is a symbol of protection. And, you know, they need to rebuild the, Ezra needed to be, to, to spearhead the rebuilding of the temple. But if you will try to, to, to read here in Ezra chapter 4. You will not be going through all of this, but, uh, <clears throat> just, 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 uh, a portion of this when oppositions came. So their purpose was to to rebuild the temple. 
In chapter 4 of Ezra, it says here, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do. And we do, the, we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esar Hadon, king of Assur, which brought us up hither. But Zerubbabel, this was the response of Zerubbabel. He said, but Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. Because they knew, they knew, see, that these, uh, these were adversaries, these were enemies of Israel. They were saying that we want to be take part in your mission works. We want to take part in your endeavor to, to rebuild the temple. We want to take part in the ministry that the Lord has given you. But they were enemies in the first place. In other words, they were just faking Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the people. Right? But, 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 uh, but here is, here is Zerubbabel here having the discernment he said, uh, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, had commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people. When they cannot infiltrate the people of God, they weakened the hand of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. And what did they do? They hired counselors. And these counselors against, they hired counselors against them, what? To frustrate their purpose. See? This is what the devil will do. You have a purpose in life. God has a purpose in your life. But every time the devil sees that you are up to it, you are, you are so zealous to, to do your purpose in life, God's purpose in your life, the devil will come in to frustrate the purpose. He will give you discouragement. The devil will give, will do all things. If he cannot give you discouragement, he will entice you away from your calling. He can give you opportunities. He can give you prosperity. So you will not, you know, sometimes uh, uh, adversity and, you know, uh, poverty is not just the only thing that uh, discourages us. If we cannot be discouraged by the challenges of life, the devil will give us all the prosperity. I've seen that in our own country. I've seen that in our own church. When the members, when when the believers, they get promoted... Or they had the opportunity to, you know, to to expand their business or whatever they can do. They get excited. And when they get excited, they go to that direction without thinking that it might compromise them. So the company would say, oh, pastor, this company is promoting me. See, there was a sister before in our church. She said she was being promoted as a sales director. And you know, when you're a sales director, you cannot... Go to office not wearing a mini skirt. That's why they make women sales director. Because the company wants to use their beauty to entice the clients. And I said to the sister, I said, you're a very intelligent woman. You're a very beautiful woman. But don't let the devil use you. Okay. But, 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 but pastor, he said, they will give me a big salary. They will give me big benefits. Then I can help the ministry. <laughs> and I said, I have heard that many times. <laughs> they will go to this place, go to that place, go where, uh, everywhere. And they said they will help the ministry. Then after you give them the blessing, see, you give, you bless them, then they will, they will disappear. They will go back again after they backslide and they fail. And they will go back again crying. Pastor, I should have listened to you. <laughs> See, I said, if you really want to serve the Lord, if you really want to, 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 to give, to, to help the ministry, even you have 20 pesos in your pocket, you can help the ministry. You do not, you need to, you, do, you don't need to, to have big amount of money to help the ministry. You can pray for the ministry. You can serve the Lord in poverty. But if you know that this direction will lead you away and farther from the Lord, don't do it. Don't do it. But not, not, you know, when you, I'm not speaking to this congregation, but in some, some members of the congregation, other churches, you know, they don't want to listen to the pastor. 
They don't want to, they will ask advice after they have made the decision. Yeah. They will ask, they will make decision, they will say, uh, Pastor, uh, what can you say about this? He was trying, he wants your decision, the pastor's decision to align with this decision. But after, if, if it's not aligned with this decision, he will say, uh, then, then we stop talking because he had already made this decision. See? So, every time, there's a member of, a con- of our congregation comes to me, I, I, the first thing that I ask, have you decided already? Because if you have decided already, then we don't have to talk about anything. See? Because you have already decided. I will not bless your decision because you decided it with yourself and not with my advice or my counsel. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm the best counselor in the world, but if you want, if you're seeking the blessing from the pastor, you, before making a decision, talk to God, then talk to your pastor, then, then you make the decision. So if the, sometimes the decision that the Lord will lead you to is the decision that you don't like to do. See? But it's the right thing to do. See? That's the right thing to do. Okay? So, sometimes we, we, we have these things. See? And then opposition will take away, we rise up, they will frustrate our purpose, they will entice us away from our purpose. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, this is, is quite the same thing. See? In the book of Nehemiah, we will, we will read here, that when, when they were, when they were uh, rebuilding the wall, there was this, this uh, group of people that uh, uh, tried to oppose the group of Nehemiah. Again, it's also in chapter 4 of the book of Nehemiah, it says here, But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews, and spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they, uh, what do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was with, was by him. And he said, even the, even that which they build, if they, if a fox go, you know, fox, like, just is, this is small, right? And he was actually mocking the Jews, even if a fox go up, it shall even break down their stone wall. Hear our God, oh our God, for we are despised. Now these are their prayer. And turn their reproach upon their own head. And give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity. And let not their sin be blotted out from, the, from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. And verse 6 says, So we built, so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people of the mind to work. They were, they were set in their mind. That we will finish the job. We will stand in their ground no matter what. There will be oppositions. There will be a group of people. And sometimes the opposition is even part of the brethren. Sometimes the opposition, uh, they, you will be opposed in what you do, in what you want to do because of, you know, these are brethren that are opposing you because, you know, because of jealousy. Because of envy. See? They'll, they, they, they will be envious that you might accomplish something for the glory of God and you become popular. So instead of encouraging you, they will, they will discourage you. Right. Not because they, 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 are, they, they, they are concerned about you or they, they care about you, but because, because they're jealous. See? They're envious of what you can accomplish. See? Do you think, uh, in the parable of the prodigal son, do you think that the eldest son, when he got mad, he got angry with his father? You know, after this prodigal son went back, and, and the father took, uh, took a feast for him, okay? And the, and, 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 the, and the brother who is, he was, the, the younger brother was unrighteous, but the elder brother was self-righteous. Both of them are wrong. And this elder brother was saying to his father, you know, you're wasting, you're wasting, uh, you're wasting everything for him. Do you think that because this brother cares for the, for the possession of the father or not? No. He was envious, he was jealous. See? And this jealousy, this envy, the Bible's envy is like a rottenness of the bone. Right? And if you're envious with your brother, with your sister, 
See, if you're jealous to them, you will do things just to stop to def- to, to frustrate their purpose in life. See, so do, so we had we need to check ourselves. This is January 2019. We have many months ahead of us, and you know the prophet always mentioned about no, we should not make resolutions. He said. He said in his message, he said, we don't need to make resolutions because resolutions are made to be broken. So why will you make something that you will break someday? See? He said, not a New Year's resolution, but the grace, but we need the grace and mercy of God to change. He said, we have to change our motives and objectives. We have to change our attitude. Actually, this is a prayer of Brother Branham in the, in the message, Shalom. He said, uh, change my, this is Brother Branham, he said, change my motives. Change my objectives. This was 1964. He will die in 1965. You would think that in 1964, Brother Branham should be more matured. He's always have the right motives and objectives. He always preached to the people, check your motives and objectives. Check your motives and objectives. Check your attitude. And then in Shalom, 1964, January, he prayed, Lord, change my motives. Change my objectives. Even in the last 24 months of the life of the prophet, he still wants, he's still checking himself. Right? He's still checking himself. He said, change my attitude. Because you can apply to your own self. You know there's something still wrong with you. You know, you can say, oh, Brother Vernon, we were blessed by your preaching. But my wife knows me better than you. I cannot lie to my wife. And sometimes I may hide things from my wife, but I cannot hide things from myself. I know what I'm thinking when I'm alone. I know what I feel when I'm alone. And the Lord sees it. See? So, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, change my attitude. This will be my prayer for January also. Lord, change my motives. Change my objectives. If I have something to do, if you're leading me to something, help me to check my motives and objectives. If it will be for the glory of God, then go for it. If it will be for the edification of the saints, go for it. If it will be for your own honor, forget it. See? We need to change. See? In, in, in the message, Perfection 1957, it's again in January, he said, it's not the new pages you turn. It's not a new life you start. It's a confession of your wrong and God's grace to you. See? Why would he always say that on January of the every start of the year? Check your motives. Check your objectives. Change my attitude, Lord. Change my motives. Confess your wrongs. Because every time we start, we have to sanctify ourselves. Every time we, we, we don't start a thing with a wrong, with, with, with dirty hands. That brings you to perfection and then you are perfected in Christ. See? That's why when, when Joshua was leading the people to the promised land, the first instruction is sanctify yourselves. They cannot cross the promised land without sanctifying themselves. Amen. See? Now, let's go move on forward. In, in, in the message, uh, this is the part of the, uh, the seals book, 1963, the fifth seal, he said, Notice, as the Antichrist went forth on his beast of, uh, of ministry, God sent forth a beast to combat it. Okay? We're talking about battles. We're talking about war. So now watch, he said, Then every time the beast rode on his horse, of course we have four horses, white, red, black, and the pale horse, the Antichrist rode on his horse and his beast to announce his ministry. Of course, we know that the white horse, deception, red horse is, you know, the persecution, black horse is the famine, and the gray horse is all, everything put together. As a God sent his beast also, in his own must to continue his combat to the beast, to announce his ministry. God sent his beast also in his own must to announce his combat to it. Now, God was not surprised. No, it's not, it's, sometimes people think, oh, when, when, when the white horse came, the Lord sent the anointing of the lion. No, the anointings of the four beasts, the lion, okay, the ox, the man, and the eagle, was already there. See? And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will just raise the standard. But the standard was always there. It's already there in Revelation chapter, it's, it was already there. See? But but the need was not yet there. But so when the water is coming, here is the lion. The red horse is coming, here is the ox. For what reason? To combat the enemy. 
to fight the enemy. And you know, the word combat means to fight. But you know, combat is not actually a word. It is an acronym. Because combat means offensive. See? I don't know if you know this, but let me share this to you. Combat means counter-offense movement before attack time. In short, combat. In other words, when you want to combat the enemy, there's an adage that says, the best defense is offense. You have to be offensive to the enemy. You don't wait for him to come and say, I will defend myself. No. We will be offensive. That's a counter-offense movement before he attacks. That's that's what Brother Branham saying that uh, in the fifth seal, he, he raised the beast to combat the enemy. Even before the Antichrist can move, there's already a standard combating the enemy. Amen. Why? Because God is not surprised with the move of the enemy. He knows what he will do. And so before he does that, here is, here is God, here is our God already prepared. See? That's why he said in, in the Old Testament, the battle is not yours, it is mine. And if the battle is of God, see? Who will, who is stronger? If you read the message, the contest, he said, it's always, it's always the, the Satan and God, Satan and God, but who's the strongest? It's God. It's the Word of God. It's Himself. And He has given us, He has given us, uh, this, this, this weapons. He always say, the most powerful weapon is prayer. And in another message, He would say, the most powerful weapon that God ever placed in His hand is love. And in another message, you would say, the most powerful weapon that God gave is committal. See? The most powerful weapon is the faith. And in another, in another message, you would say, the most powerful that the Lord has given us to fortify us is the word of God. So which is the most powerful weapon? So we have five weapons. We have prayer. See? It doesn't contradict each other. So sometimes there was a, there was a, a critic that asked me, you know, your prophet, it's very confusing. He said the most powerful weapon is prayer. Then the next time he said the most powerful is love. Then the next most powerful thing is this and that. And I said that makes that for me for you it's stumbling, but for me it's good because now I have five most powerful weapons. It's not just prayer, it's not just love. It's God's words, it's committal, and it's everything. See, so you see. You can you can give a message book to an unbeliever. He, can, he will only see the negative things. But if you are a believer, you see, oh, this is for me. This is for me. Right? So God gave us the most powerful weapon. See? And and, and the prophet said, And as long as we are here on earth, we know that there will be, be the cry. For we are in a battle. The battle is raging. It was raging before. It, this was 1963, now it's 2019. The battle is still raging. And it will continue to rage. Right? You promised and said, oh, the enemy would be like a roaring lion. It's loose among the people. And we can see it everywhere like a roaring lion, devouring what he may. Because he knows his time is short. See? But we have a father. Said, we have a father huh? who cares for us. See? You have a father who cares for, if, if an earthly father will care for his children, would not want his children to be hurt, how much more a heavenly father? See, you know, a heavenly father, our heavenly father will not, sometimes he allows us to, to, to suffer the things that we have, these are, as I said, a consequence of our wrong decisions, but he still cares for us. He cares for us. How do you know that God cares for us? He gave us the most powerful weapon. And the Bible said that there is no weapon that is formed against you that shall prosper. So he gave you a weapon, but on the other side, no other weapon that was formed against you shall prosper. See, every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, thou shalt condemn. See, if somebody says bad things about you, don't worry. See, they shall be condemned. If they rise against you, they form something, you know, they, they, they try to ruin your reputation, you know, use the social media, throw some words, bad words against you, negative things about you, whether true or not. See, it will go back to them. We don't have to fight and to explain. You know, last 2014 I was here. Last 2014. 
I think it was March 2014, I was making a report here in the, for the typhoon. Because there were so many, so many people, um, believers from different countries who have sent their financial support to rebuild the houses of the believers that were damaged, lost, and the livelihood that was lost because of that super typhoon. And you know the story, we have made a report for that, they given the, the accounting of the funds for everything. I worked with Brother Nestor, I worked with Brother Danny, and of course the brothers, the, the, the recipients of all this uh, support coming from different countries, Africa, U.S., Canada, Europe, New Zealand, even from uh, other third world countries. So we were handling the financial and we were accounting it, we were putting our records together just to make sure that we have been good stewards of these things. And you will think that people will love you because you you did your best for them. And there's another pastor in, in, in the southern part of the Philippines who, you know, he gave his time and effort just to visit all these places to make sure that the houses were built. And the next thing you know, critics came in. And they were pointing fingers on us. They said, where's the money? It is as if they gave something to us. They, they were trying, to, they were asking us, explain where you put the funds. And I said them, to them, what have you done for the brethren who were affected? What have you done? They said, no, we have done anything. We have not done anything. But you were given the money. And I said, therefore, I, I don't have any obligation to you whatsoever to explain where the funds go. Because I can, I, I went to the people who gave their funds. I gave them the, the accounting of funds. I explained to them. Amen. I was obliged to explain it to people who have given their efforts. But you know, the critics are all around us. And they, they, they will think, they will point fingers. Point fingers at Brother Nestor. Point fingers at Brother, point fingers at myself. And I said, this is what you get. For doing sacrifice for the brethren. See? You didn't, we didn't receive accolades, we didn't receive praises from the people. Of course, those people we have helped, they were thankful. And they know that they receive what they are supposed to receive. And I'm not really, I'm not really bothered by those things because I have a God that is looking at me. He's looking at my stewardship. If I've done something wrong with those ones, you see, I will be, I will be answerable to the Lord. But you see, these people in the critical side, these are, these are the scoffers on the side. These are the ungodliest, Psalms chapter 1 says. See, you will do something for the Lord, they will not do something for the Lord, but they will criticize you over and over and over again. They will not stop, because they were born to criticize. They will die a critic. See? And so everything we do for the Lord, every day, every time there's something you're doing for the Lord, expect opposition. Except, uh, expect some critics. Except some people who will tell lies against you. But it should not frustrate your purpose. It should not stop you from doing what God wants you to do. You have to stand your ground. No matter what the opposition is, stand your ground. See? Because if you, it's, I said earlier, it's easy to stand your God if there's no opposition around you. You know, you're good to everybody, everybody smiles at you, but when nobody's smiling at you, nobody's encouraging you, nobody's telling that you're doing a good job. See? Can you still stand your ground? Amen. Can you still, can you still like, like this Japanese soldier when, when all his soldiers, he has only three soldiers with him. And he died, they died one by one. He, is not, he, he cannot talk to anybody. He cannot speak our language in the Philippines. But he stood his ground. Because he has an order from his commanding officer. And when the Lord tells you something to do, stand your ground. No matter what, no matter what the circumstances will bring to you. We have, we have many months ahead for, for this year. We don't even know if the rapture will take place this year. If, 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 it, if it will take place, then fine. If, it not, if not, then we have to continue on. Stay until our commanding officer goes back and relieves us and say, it's over. 
the war in the, the battle with the enemy is over. You're going home in the rapture. That's the time I will be relieved from my post of duty. But until then, until then, I will be faithful. I will stand my ground. I don't need the, the, the appreciation of the people. I need the, the, the command of the Lord. And I'm waiting for that, that, that precious day when the Lord will come back to me. And they will say, okay, you have done your duty. I'm relieving you of your post. We are going home. We are going home. The battle is over. Amen. And so, I pray, my brothers and sisters, that God will give us the courage. God will give us the determination. God will give us everything that we need in this battle to stand on our ground. Amen. See, you know, there is something in us that's built that we are not, we will not be affected by the things around us. I will close on this. Okay. When we were working, when I was working in the hotel that we, we have a church in that five star hotel, the year was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2006. The year was 2006 and there was, there was a strong typhoon coming. And we heard it over the news and of course, uh, uh, part of my responsibility was the safety and the security of the, the, the guests of the hotel. We have more than 1,000 rooms in that hotel and we have, we are, we, we, we have uh, guests, clients from, from different countries and it was a peak season of the hotel. And so we have to make sure that everything is comfortable. And so this strong typhoon came sometime in the later part of 2006. And when this strong typhoon came, all of Manila we did not have electrical power. So it was dark. It was dark. And there was no, of course, you know, there were no computers running there and everything. And so all the people around the hotel, they, they, they stopped their business. And, and, and the hotel is situated in, 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 a, in a residential place where rich people live. And they saw when, when there was power failure for the first 24 hours, the second 24 hours, these rich people, they went out of their house because they don't have air conditioning, they don't have lights, they, don't have, they can do nothing. When they go to the malls, there was no power. But then, lo and behold, they saw the Shangri-La Hotel, well lighted. How could it happen that this hotel in the middle of a dark city is well lighted? Many people, many people were eating in the restaurants. Many people were in the lobby. And so they came to the hotel. Of course, when they came to the hotel, the first question in their mind, they asked the staff of the hotel, why is it that in your hotel there's light? There's air conditioning. You have food to serve. Computers are running. Elevators are running. And the, the manager of the hotel said, we have in our hotel these big generators powered by diesel that could stand for the next three months. So even there will be power failure for one month, we still have two months left, two months stock of diesel to keep it running. And so when the, these rich people know, knew that they can enjoy the amenities of the hotel in the midst of a dark city, all of them checked in the hotel. It was good business, of course. <laughs> See? But what I'm trying to tell, the reason why I'm trying to tell you, we have inside the hotel something that cannot be affected of the outside circumstances. See, this building was built in such a way that something could happen in the perimeters or in the surroundings of, of, of this, this complex and we will not be affected because there's a built-in system that will continue the life in it. Now I'm going to you personally. See, we are surrounded by things, our environment, that we cannot, we cannot control. It's beyond our control. See, when the, the, the book of Isaiah said, there will be gross darkness around us. But we have something in us that God built inside of us. It is the light of God. We will not be affected by the things that is happening around us. They will be, they may be lonely. In the book of Psalms said, hundreds will fall in my left side, thousands will fall in my right side, but you will still go and go into the, why? Because something is built in us. There is something in you. There is something you that God has deposited. And that something in you will keep you going and going and going when people cannot do anything anymore. You have something that we can enjoy the amenities of the life that the Lord has given us. Because it is built in inside. We are not affected with the outside world. 
So we can go out of the world. We will not be enticed by the things of the world. We will not go to the fashions of the world. Because there is something in you. Hallelujah. And that something is you is the, the deposit of the Lord. Amen. When I was 17, my brothers and sisters. Okay. When I was 17. I used to, uh, I, I was talking to my father. I was about to enter the military academy and my father was alive there. He talked to me. He said, we are four brothers. I'm the second to the eldest. And my, 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 uh, my father said, you know, when you were young, brother Tim, he told me, when you were young, I saw something in you. He saw something in me. And now I can see it flourishing. Because you know I'll be a successful some a successful somebody someday, and years passed, maybe ten years later, he talked to me again. He said, "I can, there's something you, but I still I cannot see it." Uh. <laughs> then when I reached thirty years old, thirty years of age, I was I was I became a believer, and 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 I had a manager in the hotel who was Irish, an Irish national. He told me, I was not just a manager, I was just a supervisor. He said, you know, Vernon, I can see something in you. That someday you will be somebody. But of course, it did not materialize. See, at age of 33, I left my, uh, my, my, my secular job and went into the ministry. Many years later, me and my wife, we celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. That was a few years back. We were already 30 years married. So five years ago. And the night of our 25th wedding anniversary, I asked my wife, why did you marry me? And he said, I saw something in you. <laughs> but until today, I don't know what it is. <laughs> See? But they are seeing something in me. My father saw something in me. My employer saw something in me. I think Brother Ernie saw something in me also during the time. And my wife saw something in me. But sometimes they cannot define what they saw something in you. But when God looked upon you, you were in the, you were in the mud, the muds of sin. You were in that deep mighty clay. He saw something in you. And when he saw something in you, he know what it is. He called you up and gave, gave you a specific position, a specific assignment. That, uh, that people cannot see. People cannot recognize, but God recognizes it. And now what can we give back in return? If He saw something in us, gave us this position that we are in now. Our position in, not our earthly position, but our position in Christ. I think the best way to give back to God is to be faithful in the position that He has given us. And if we can do that, my brothers and sisters, I can say, and I can, I believe, that one day, whatever the Lord saw something in us, you know, it will manifest in our life. Yeah. It will manifest. People in the outside world, the unbelievers, may not see it. They may not recognize it. They may not even appreciate it. But the thing is, our commander-in-chief, our Lord Jesus Christ, saw it, and we believe it, and we should stand on our ground. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. And I hope if uh, we will not see each other again, I hope that we will see each other when the Lord comes to pick us up again. To relieve us from our post of duty. Amen. God bless you.